This is episode 15 with naturopathic doctor Melanie Robinson on how we can balance our hormones as mothers, as women to feel better. I think it's important to empower, I mean, this is part of what I do in my practice. I want to empower women. I want to educate them about their menstrual cycle and I want them to understand that this is not normal. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love. Thank you for being here. If you haven't done it yet, please leave a review because all these wonderful guests on the podcast have such important knowledge to share that can help support mothers in different areas of their lives. So the more people leaves a review, the more it helps the podcast to get ranked in the podcast world. And because of this, this will help more people to see the podcast and listen to it. So if you haven't done it yet, stop this episode, go leave a review quickly. As long as you're being honest with your comments, it's all good. So who is Dr. Melanie Robinson? Naturopathic medical education and was awarded a clinical excellence award upon graduating. She works at the Optimum Wellness Clinic, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, is a member of Canadian Association of Naturopathic Doctors. She has many training, neural therapy, IV therapy, lots of different therapies, volunteered in a medical brigade for Natural Doctors International in Nicaragua. She has a passion for true mind and body connection. Some of the ways, methods um, she uses to improve health and dietary and lifestyle counseling is homeopathy, clinical nutrition, traditional Chinese medicine, botanical medicine, injection therapies, in acupuncture. She's in a general family practice focused on women's health, pediatrics, digestive disorders, autoimmune disorders, asthma, hormonal health, to name a few. She's a wife, a mother, and she gets really specific in this episode. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy it. Let's listen in on our conversation. This is something I've wanted to talk about for a while. And we're talking with a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Robinson, about how to balance our hormones as mothers and women and how it has a lot of impact our daily lives, our monthly cycles. So thank you, uh, Dr. Robinson, for being here today on Citrus Love Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I read that self-care starts with our hormones. I found that it's like a silent epidemic for women hormonal imbalance because we don't really hear a lot about it unless you 
feel you have like severe hormonal imbalance that you need to consult. We think it's our PMS, you know, monthly cycles or hormones. We kind of joke about it um, among ourselves as women. But I read that our hormones are like our superpowers in a way. So before we dive deep into the hormones, just to give our listeners a quick overview of who you are, why you decided to choose uh, being a naturopathic doctor as opposed to the conventional route of being another type of doctor. Yes, well, I've always been interested in health and helping others. I was actually determined to become a pharmacist until I learned about naturopathic medicine in my third year of university. So I studied at University of Alberta in Edmonton, and there was a career fair with a booth about naturopathic medicine that really intrigued me. So I decided to look into this profession and actually see an ND to see if they could help with my, at the time I had chronic asthma and IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Mm -hmm. after making significant lifestyle changes with my diet, stress management, supplements, I was able to overcome my asthma and I have been living medication free and um, asthma attack free for almost 15 years now. Asthma really ruled my life as a child and a teenager. I was on a lot of medications. I was often in eMERGE. And this was a life-changing experience. And it guided me to apply to trapping medicine instead of pharmacy. I have been practicing in Alberta now for eight years, and just to point out, Alberta is a regulated province, so what that means, not every province in Canada is regulated. I know Quebec, for example, isn't one of them. That means that anyone there can call themselves a naturopath regardless of their education, where the regulated ones have a minimum of eight years of post-secondary education. Mm, Okay. So you're a naturopathic doctor in a clinic. Uh, What is your belief regarding medicine and healing? Or what is the belief of a naturopathic doctor? To medical doctor, yeah. So Mm. naturopathic medicine uh, focuses on addressing the root cause of an illness and treating it with lifestyle modifications, diet, nutrition, exercise, and non-pharmaceutical prescriptions such as herbs, like botanical medicine, homeopathy, um, vitamins, minerals, where conventional medicine will primarily focus on managing the symptoms, so masking it rather than addressing the root cause of the illness. And their main approach is prescription medications. Mm, it's totally the opposite of what you initially thought you would be doing. <laughs> it is. No, I yeah. have to admit, but all the background I have, I worked in a pharmacy for years, really does help me because as naturopathic doctors, we have to understand and know the prescription medications and understand the interactions with herbs. And a lot of prescription medications can decrease vitamins and minerals in the body, which could maybe lead to hormonal imbalance. Okay, because some of your patients are probably using medication sometimes, so you need to understand. Yes, no, and that's correct. And in British Columbia, the naturopathic doctors have prescription rights, so they can prescribe. And in Alberta, we're hoping to get prescription rights in the near future. Got it. So let's talk about hormonal health. First, can you define for listeners, what is hormonal imbalance? And what are some signs that we can observe uh, in ourselves as women to know if we have a hormonal imbalance? Okay, no, great. Um, Our hormones, so they must be in balance to help us feel our, our best. 
However, there's so many things that can lead to an imbalance. So I think it's important that I list six very important hormones that these six need to be in balance for us to feel our best. So I'll start with the female hormones called estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. So those are very important. Then there's male hormones, but females also produce them. They're known as testosterone and DHEA. And finally, there's two very important ones. One is called cortisol. So whenever you hear cortisol, think of stress. It's a stress hormone. And finally, TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. So that's related to our thyroid gland. So if any one of these, and there are other hormones in our body, but I'm just focusing on these six, are out of balance, it can actually be like a domino effect and affect the other hormones as well. And then you may have an imbalance of several at the same time. So a hormonal imbalance can look like, well, there's multiple signs of it or symptoms of it, but it could be PMS, which I know we'll be talking about, um, fatigue, and more than just a regular fatigue. I see a lot of women that feel just chronically exhausted and usually worse before their period. Um, they can have cravings for food. Weight gain is a common one. And then mental health concerns like anxiety and depression. And Hormone imbalances can also really affect our menstrual cycle. It could lead to missed periods or really heavy bleeding. A lot of women struggle with sleep, and then it can affect our brain, such as brain fog and memory. It can lead to acne, hair loss. I mean, I'm listing so many here, but my it gosh. can. <laughs> and well, and it can lead to infertility, which I see a lot in my practice as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then. And I see a lot of moms who are completely overwhelmed and are struggling with stress management. So, I mean, there's several other. I read somewhere that PMS can have 150 different symptoms. So there's, wow. yeah, so I know being a woman <laughs> and our hormones, we can be quite complex. Um, <laughs> and a woman having a regular period in the four weeks of that cycle, there's fluctuations of these hormones, which are not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, there's a lot of factors that can lead to hormonal imbalance. Oh, wow. You mentioned something and I'm curious, you say that women, we have some testosterone. Usually you think, okay, men have the testosterone. How does it manifest in women? So testosterone is actually produced by the, mostly the ovaries or the adrenal glands, which are stress glands in the body, depending on where a woman is at in her life. And testosterone helps women with our energy, our motivation, our libido, so our sex drive. Just think of when we exercise and we feel our best, like exercise actually naturally increases, increases testosterone. So we do need healthy levels of testosterone to feel our best. And I will also say that estrogen, a lot of us think that's the female hormone, but men also produce estrogen. Mm. But in a smaller amount. So we would have yeah. women should have less testosterone than a man. Okay, that's, that's, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and you talked about how the hormonal imbalance can affect a woman's mind. You mentioned the brain fog. Is that you kind of forget a lot of things? You can't retain some information? Similar. So I have to say postpartum, especially in the first six to 12 weeks, it's a hormonal roller coaster for a woman. So it will affect 
their mm-hmm. mental capabilities. But I know the mommy brain, you could have a, ta- a two-year-old and say, oh, it's my mom brain. So the mom brain or the brain fog or challenges with like short-term or recall memory, meaning where did I leave my keys? Or, you know, challenges with concentration or focus, that I feel a lot of women think that's just normal of having young children. Well, I want to say no, it's a sign that hormones are out of balance and there's ways to improve your hormones to improve that brain fog. I remember after I had my son, I could not retain any information. My partner kept telling me, like, Christian, you have to exercise your brain. You're, you're, you're not remembering anything. And so when people said, like, the mommy brain, I could relate to it. But I never heard that it would be related to hormonal imbalance. It is a very, very common. It's rare. I see I treat a lot of postpartum women in my practice, and it's rare in those first three months a woman's brain is 100% or, or mind is 100%. But I should say something else that can affect it are minerals or vitamins. So a main one is iron. Iron is a mineral. And with whatever type of childbirth you're going to have, you're going to lose blood, which can lead to lower levels of iron. And iron can drastically affect our mental clarity. Mm. Okay, so how common do you see hormonal imbalance in women these days and in mothers, or is it pretty much the the same? Um, I've looked at several statistics, and it's not, I couldn't see some that are based on, you know, moms versus women. A lot of these are based on women having a menstrual cycle, so... Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be women and, and moms. And I've mm-hmm. seen so many different statistics. Some will say 50% of women struggle with hormonal imbalances. Some go up to 80. But I read a lot about PMS and it says 80 to 85% of women struggle with PMS. So that's extremely prevalent. And I just want to point out that one of the most common hormone imbalance diagnosis is something called PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome and Mm. it can affect one in 10 Canadian women and this can lead to challenges with their period acne hair loss weight gain and infertility so I just I'm not saying that PMS is a big factor of this I just wanted to point out that's the most common diagnosis for hormonal imbalance at this at this point in time so PCOS what does that mean exactly So there's various signs and symptoms of it. Like I said, it could be a woman that hasn't had a period for four months and she knows she's not pregnant. You know, she's not on the birth control. She's just skipped several periods. She's gaining weight. She has acne. She's growing hair on her face and losing hair on her head. And often PCOS, this goes back to your testosterone question, Women with PCOS usually have higher levels of male hormones. That's why it's leading to some of these symptoms. So higher testosterone and DHEA. And they may also have cysts on their ovaries, which you would need a pelvic ultrasound for that. So it's usually a diagnosis. If you have X amount of signs and symptoms of this, then we can diagnose you with That's good to know. Yeah. And it's very prevalent. And I feel it often goes undiagnosed. 
So we know that during postpartum, after giving birth, our hormones are very crazy, like you said, all over the place. So at what point should a mother's hormones settle back to what's considered normal? Is it once we've stopped breastfeeding? Well, that's a great question. So I just want to point out that when a woman is pregnant, the placenta, which is also in the uterus, is producing a lot of estrogen and progesterone to maintain the pregnancy. So once the mom delivers the baby, she'll also deliver the placenta and then her hormones will decrease like rapidly once that placenta is out. And the first three months postpartum, I know I mentioned this earlier, it's a very delicate period for women's hormones as they're not going to be in balance and we don't expect it to be in balance. I mean, you're you're not sleeping properly. You're very attuned to your baby. You're, a lot of women have a little bit of you know anxiety in that period and feel very tired. So it, it's not to be expected in those first three months. They'll slowly improve with time. But like you said, breastfeeding will definitely have an impact on it because breastfeeding does shift our hormones versus a mom who's not breastfeeding. However, at six months, usually there's food introduction in the baby and then breastfeeding may, the demands may go down a little bit. So there may be a little bit more balancing. However, I have to emphasize that thyroid, which I mentioned earlier, a hormone called TSH, can be affected in those first six months. So I know with my patients, my postpartum patients, I want a full thyroid blood panel and I want to rule out a common autoimmune disease of the thyroid called Hashimoto's that does get diagnosed in those first six months. So it's, like I said, there's no really normal guidelines for hormones in those early period of postpartum. There's so many factors that can affect it. And I also want to emphasize, which I mentioned earlier, cortisol, a stress hormone, will greatly be affected by the lack of sleep and the change in routine. And that can have a huge impact on all of our hormones. Mm -hmm. So typically, once you stop breastfeeding, it can take about three months to rebalance the hormones. But then it depends on all these other factors, thyroid, cortisol. And I just also want to point out that it also depends how the mom's hormones were before she got pregnant. Maybe she already was dealing with her hormonal imbalances. Maybe it took her a long time to conceive. So that is also something that's important to understand. It mm. may take longer for a woman who had already hormonal imbalances before. You made me think of another question because after uh, having a child, how come some women can have their menstrual cycle back maybe two months after and others it can take a year? What happens? Yes, and I see that in my practice. There's some women I feel, yeah, they're two months postpartum, they are breastfeeding and they get their period and then mm -hmm. it comes back every single month. Others may take over a year. So once again, that really depends on how were your hormones before you got pregnant? Um, how was your pregnancy? Just, you know, how's your thyroid? How are your stress, your cortisol? So there's no definitive answer. There's so many factors that will affect that. Um, but I want to also point out, it doesn't necessarily mean that that same mom in her second pregnancy will also get her period two months postpartum. Does that make sense? Like maybe, mm -hmm. but maybe not. Maybe it'll take her a year. I just find hormones are, there's so many environmental and outside factors that affect them that it can be challenging. They can be very unpredictable. 
Okay, so it doesn't mean like you have some sort of hormonal imbalance if it comes back quickly or later. It, there's no relation to that? Not necessarily. However, no. often when a woman, a woman breastfeeds less and is weaning, then that usually increases her chance of having a period. And then I get more concerned if a woman stopped breastfeeding, say at 12 months, and now it's been 18 months and she still doesn't have a period. Well, that I find, Kate, okay, that's a sign you have hormonal imbalance. You should be getting your period back. Mm, got it. So what happens if a woman has a hormonal imbalance and it goes untreated? Because, I mean, we don't always know what it is and get some feedback uh, from people that maybe we're not, we're not okay, something's wrong. But how will a woman feel physically or mentally if she doesn't treat this hormonal imbalance? Yeah, so there's, that's a great question. And from what I know, I don't think there's a definitive answer to these questions because it is very case by case. So for example, it depends on which hormones are out of balance. Are we talking, is it her progesterone levels that are extremely low? And then maybe long-term it will lead to infertility, like a secondary infertility, meaning the first pregnancy, she got pregnant right away. The second one, it may take months or years because her progesterone is so low, it won't maintain a pregnancy. So that's just an example. Also, does that woman have a chronic illness that may, is not related to her hormones, right? It could be that could be stressing the body, affecting her cortisol levels, which then could affect the other hormones. Um, I mentioned earlier prescription medications. Certain ones can definitely decrease vitamins and minerals, and then that can affect hormones. Diet, stress management, there's all these key factors that can affect our hormones. So if you're not making changes, it will most likely keep getting worse and worse and worse as a woman gets older. And then, for example, maybe that woman's menopause will be very challenging for her because she's not addressed her hormones. Or maybe she'll develop an autoimmune disease because her stress and her thyroid and all her hormones are out of balance. Or like I said, the infertility. So it doesn't mean if you struggle with PMS, and you really struggle with sleep on an ongoing basis, you're going to become infertile or you'll have a bad menopause. Not necessarily. <laughs> there, I mean, there's so many factors. I know I keep emphasizing the environmental factors <laughs> that will impact our hormones. So it's not a like a black and white answer. It's very dependent on that women's scenario. You know, uh, we hear like, oh, you should get a yearly checkup at the doctor. Do you think this would be a good thing for our hormones or, I don't know, seeing a naturopathic doctor just to as a checkup to see if everything's okay? Is that something you see or, or that yes. should be done? Well, in the perfect world, I think everyone would have a medical doctor and a naturopathic doctor and that they would all work, collaborate together because... For example, as a naturopathic doctor in Alberta, I can't prescribe medications. I can't order, say, an ultrasound to see if you actually do have cysts on your ovaries. I can order blood work, but everything that we do, people have to pay out of pocket. Whereas if you see your medical doctor, typically you don't, you're not paying for the blood work that they order or the ultrasound that they order. It's just that their training is quite different than ours. And they go based on um, lab results. So this is a great question, actually, because they can check hormones in blood. 
However, that is only a small piece of the puzzle. And I hear this every week in my practice. I saw my medical doctor, we did blood tests, everything came back normal. Why am I feeling this out of whack? Why is this going on? So a naturopathic doctor will spend the first visit usually minimum one hour, mine are an hour and a half for a very like thorough clinical intake. So it's a lot of questions. And we really focus on the, the past medical history. For example, postpartum, Say I start treating someone with a one-year-old. I will ask, was it hard to get pregnant? How was your period before you got pregnant? How, like all that's very important to know. So if you can access a naturopathic doctor, I think that would be amazing, especially for women, because there's so much we can do, even with just our diet and lifestyle to, you know, take charge of our hormones. Mm. So what are some things we can do ourselves? You say there's so many factors. Can you give some examples of maybe ways you've helped some of your patients? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And once again, I know it's case by case, but for, you know, generally speaking, I can offer some guidelines. So I'm all about, you know, eating a whole foods diet. So I feel we hear that a lot and understand mm -hmm. there's a lot of various diets out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a huge advocate of, I mean, there's the keto diets really big, the paleo diet. Ideally, you want to eat for what works best for you. But whole foods, what that means is no to limited processed food. So an example I give my patients is when you grocery shop, try to only walk around the store and skip the aisles. And that's a huge challenge because just around the store, that's where you find the fresh produce, fruits mm -hmm. and vegetables, you know, the meat, the like all the fresh ingredients are around and all the process are in the middle. So that's huge to focus on that. And for healthy hormones, we definitely want to focus on healthy fats. So like avocado, nuts and seeds and coconut oil, for example, and also focus on healthy protein sources, whether it's plant-based or animal-based. Um, and then another big one is fiber. So fiber helps improve our digestion and also our bowel movements, and we eliminate toxins that way, and that will improve our hormones. So I say minimum 30 grams of fiber. And when you start paying attention, that that's quite a bit, uh, but that can make a difference. And then you also want to focus when I talk about fruits and vegetables, I think of the colors of the rainbow. So not just, you know, uh, carrots and peas all the time, eat a variety of colors and really focus on the dark leafy green vegetables, because that will help your liver detoxify. I know I'm, I'm listing a lot. I got lots of other tips. Yeah, um, I'm taking notes here. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yes. Focus on what you're hydrating yourself with. So water, I can't emphasize water, just as much water as you can. Um, and just really, I'd say no pop, no juice, you know, nothing sugary, unless it's fresh pressed juice, like unless you're juicing yourself, or you're making smoothies with fruits and vegetables, right? Um, so the natural sugars are okay, in moderation, but all these sugary drinks out there is a big no for our hormones. Some mm -hmm. of the worst foods for our hormones are the refined sugars, caffeine, alcohol, and excessive dairy as well can affect mm. our hormones. Um, so those are just some little dietary tips. But then with my patients, I'll really focus on stress management. And I treat, I'm a mom myself. I primarily treat moms. 
I get it. We get the mom guilt. We feel like you have to take care of everyone else and you put yourself last, but it's so important to honor your own time, whether it's in, you know, two yoga classes, like and get and actually put it in your schedule and make it a priority because that is so important to calm our nervous system and help with our hormones. Mm-hmm. And then the sleep sleep's a big one I focus on. So something called sleep hygiene, what that means is establishing a regular sleep routine. So some tips could be no screen time one hour before you go to bed. So that's your iPhone, the iPad, the computer, the TV, because that will affect a hormone called melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. And Mm -hmm. our body uh, restores itself when we sleep. And a lot of women have sleep challenges. So, and you did mention cleanses or, or detoxes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not an advocate of these quick two, three day aggressive detox, give yourself diarrhea and you got to live near a washroom that I find that well, I just find that's quite abrasive on the body. I'm all about more gentle approach with the body, especially for a woman who's under such high stress and is feeling exhausted, that's going to exhaust her more. So I will prescribe gentle cleanses maybe once or twice a month or uh, a year, sorry. And usually these are about three weeks and it will re- include some dietary changes like I, I listed earlier, a more strict way and more whole foods way of eating. And then including herbs that help the liver, the kidneys and the digestive tract eliminate toxins. So there's definitely some benefit, but you want to be mindful of which herbs you're using and how abrasive they can be. And if you're under a high, say you're dealing with a family member that's extremely sick or you're going through a separation or divorce, I wouldn't be recommending a cleanse at that time. That's too stressful on the body. So there's the right time. If you follow Chinese medicine, they they recommend spring and fall are the ideal times to cleanse with the major changes of seasons. Hmm. And do you use the traditional Chinese medicine in your practice as a naturopathic doctor? Yes, actually. So as a naturopathic doctor, there's two schools in Canada and then I believe five in the States, but we learned six modalities, alternatives to prescription medications. And one of them is traditional Chinese medicine. So when I was a newer doctor, I did a lot of acupuncture, but my practice is quite busy that I can't accommodate regular acupuncture with my patients I refer but I use a lot of TCM traditional Chinese medicine principles so for example the cleansing time of year or in the winter months it's best to eat warm foods it's not the time to eat salads or go on a raw diet you want warming and root vegetables like squash and yams and sweet potatoes that works best with our digestion whereas when it's in the summer or the warmer months then you can eat more raw based food so um, i do use a lot of tcm in my practice and especially related to hormones and the most important organ in chinese medicine for hormones is the liver Um, so i focus a lot on the liver all my hormonal patients we will talk about the liver they'll usually leave my office with the liver handout with the liver foods to focus (laughs) on Um, and then we may include at or we may include her as well to further support their liver. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. So basically, it eat according to the season where you're living. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's I guess perfect. it's based on the temperature, right? Because if you're a snowbird, like some of my retired patients, and they go to Arizona, they go to this, you know, Mexico for the winter, well, it's extremely hot there. So eating salads would be fine. But then if they come home for Christmas, it's minus 30 Celsius. Well, please eat a stew or some soup. <laughs> 
Oh, that's really good to know. I have to just mention again, you briefly listed coffee just because mothers and coffee, it's always <laughs> yes. one of the main topics. So you say that coffee is dehydrating for our bodies? So it we, can be. It can yeah. be. Okay. So it, I also drink coffee. I do my best. I cut it out and then end up going back on coffee. But when it comes to caffeine, it's really, it's the amount you're drinking, the quality of it and what you're putting in it. Or if you're putting the International Delight, please stop. That's not even a real food. It's refined sugar, right? So are you needing sugar in it? What type of creamer? So mm. it's, I Got guess it. it goes into that. Because I mean, you go to Starbucks and leave with a very high calorie, high sugary coffee. Mm -hmm. And then it's also the, I guess the purpose of why am I drinking coffee? And then the timing of the day you're drinking coffee. And I, I get it. We're exhausted as moms. We're trying to juggle so many things, but if you're requiring your coffee, you know, at 3 PM or at supper time to keep you going, that's not going to be a good idea for your hormones long-term. Mm, good to know. Okay. So, so many good things here. Okay. Let, let's talk about PMS. So premenstrual symptom. For me, this is a really important topic. I've always dealt with crazy hormones. And it's funny because I always thought that it was normal to have this. If you're a woman, you have PMS, like it's a no brainer. And you talk to other women that you have cramps, the change in sex drive, bleeding, acne, mood swings, there has to be a better way to deal with this. So, so let's talk about PMS. What are the common misconceptions about PMS that you hear women say or that women in general think about PMS that is incorrect? Well, you just listed quite a few. And the main one you said is it's normal to have PMS. And I hear this every single week in my practice of women. I feel we're just raised in a society that you just, it's normal to have it. You start your period as a teenager and then you see your friends all have PMS. Like you said, everyone's having cramping, acne, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people have some forms of symptoms. So yeah, the, it's normal. My friends have PMS or they'll say my mom had PMS or my mom told me it's normal to have this. It's part of it. Or I've even heard some of my patients say my doctor said it's normal to have PMS. So um, no one, I feel we're not properly taught about the menstrual cycle in, you know, junior high or high school and mm -hmm. properly taught about what to expect if you have PMS and that it is ideally, it's not normal to have PMS. But as I stated earlier, 80 to 85% of women have PMS. Now, whether it's PMS every single cycle or just PMS during their lives, right? Because a woman could have three amazing months and have almost no symptoms and all of a sudden then it comes back and they have all these symptoms. So I think it's important to empower. I mean, this is part of what I do in my practice. I want to empower women. I want to educate them about their menstrual cycle. And I want them to understand that this is not normal. Okay. So you have to talk more about this. What is considered normal? So the, I guess the most normal way I can explain it is as a woman's getting ready to have a period to bleed, it is normal to expect a little bit of fatigue. And I'm just saying, you know, a small amount and maybe some pelvic, so lower abdomen discomfort, but not cramps. You shouldn't have to, I hear this and I guess I should have answered in the previous question. So many women say, I take Midol every month. I take ibuprofen and they, and to them that's normal. Just every mm -hmm. woman does that. That's not normal. You shouldn't have to rely on any of those 
medications to help you get you through your period. So it should just be a little bit of discomfort. I mean, it's normal. You're you're about to bleed. So it's, it's normal that your body should feel a little bit, like I said, more tired and a little bit of symptoms. Maybe you'll have a little, like um, some looser bowel movements, but generally speaking, you shouldn't have all these other symptoms. It's just, it's your body getting ready to shed that uterine lining. And then once you start your period, then usually women feel better. And that is normal. That's to be expected. You, then you're and, and Estrogen gives us energy. So usually then the energy will improve. So I, I hope that answers your question. So we shouldn't feel a major discomfort every month because of it. No, we should like it shouldn't affect our lives. It's amazing how many women actually miss work or know, oh, this is coming. I'm going to have to stay in the house all day or I can't be the best mom or whatever mm -hmm. I hear. So it's normal to be aware of it. But it makes my day, my practice, when I have one of my patients, after all the work we've done, say, because I always ask every time I have a woman that has a regular period in the visit, I'll say, when was your last period? They'll give me the date. Let's talk about that period. But it's so rewarding when they say my last period showed up out of the blue. I didn't have the symptoms. It's just, mm. I knew I was close to having it based on the calendar, but it, I had no symptoms. So I've had women say, I didn't think it would show up because I actually felt really great. And then I started bleeding and there you go. So that, that's how it should be. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought it was normal because I had, you know, severe mood swings and I can tell when I'm going to have my my period because of how I'm feeling. And then I talked to my sister. I'm like, do you have this? Because I'm like, oh, it, it has to be the same for her because I mean, we're sisters. And she's like, nope, I don't have that. And that's when I was like, something's <laughs> not right, you know? So what is missing? So you're asking what could potentially be the root cause of PMS, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so there's a variety of things, but I'll start talking about nutrients. So nutrients include, yeah, vitamins and minerals. And the two top ones, one is for sure magnesium. Magnesium is involved in over 300 reactions in the body. A lot of them are hormone-based and it is very low in most women having a um, menstrual cycle. So magnesium, if you have cramps, then that's a magnesium deficiency. Um, taking magnesium glycinate, especially because I'll say magnesium citrate can lead to looser stool. So if you're constipated, that may be an option. But if you're not constipated, focus on something called magnesium glycinate taken every day. And then I'll usually prescribe more closer to the period and during the days of bleeding can really help with cramping. It can help improve your sleep. It can help improve your mood. It's amazing that just adding magnesium has changed so many of my patients PMS like it's unbelievable it's such a simple inexpensive easily found supplement um so yeah magnesium I can't emphasize that enough as a side note dark chocolate has magnesium and I know a lot of women crave mm. chocolate but yes. you're probably craving it because you're deficient so please don't overindulge in dark chocolate thinking she told me magnesium well <laughs> I mean I mean then there'll be other issues um But magnesium is also in dark leafy vegetables as well, and lots of uh, nuts and seeds and legumes. Um, the other nutrient is vitamin B6. So most people must have probably heard of B complex or B vitamins. It's a whole family of different Bs, but specifically B6 and its role in hormone support has a major role with PMS. 
Um, and so that's another, once again, there's different forms of B6, different milligrams. So it really depends on the severity of your symptoms and if you're on other supplements and on your diet, but those are two key nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's your stress levels can have and do have a major role on PMS and hormonal imbalance because of cortisol, mm-hmm. that stress hormone I listed earlier. So managing your stress can make a big difference and that can be a root cause. Another root cause and a really common root cause are environmental factors. So unfortunately, we're exposed to more and more toxins on a daily basis. Big word here, it's called xenoestrogens. What that means are substances that in our body mimic estrogen. So for example, plastics, or something called paraben or phthalates. There's all these Mm. toxins, perfumes. Like you just think of a woman getting ready in the morning. You know, if it's the typical, you know, if they're putting perfume, what type of deodorant? Are they putting makeup? What's their shampoo, their soap? What's their dish soap? Just in a household alone, you could be exposed to so many toxins that are having a major impact on your hormones. So this doesn't happen overnight. And I get it. When I work with women, it's all about, you know, baby steps. So eventually you know, they'll share, finally, I've cleaned out all my, my cleaning products, my beauty products were completely natural in the house. There's no scents. There's none of these scented candles or scented plug-in sticks that put in toxins in the air. So that has a major, major role. And that can also come from the water we're drinking, our food we're eating and where we live. So I understand a lot of it is out of our control, but a lot of it is in our control. So I spend a lot of time with that. And that being said, the root cause could be high toxin exposure and challenges eliminating it from the body. So that goes back to the liver, the kidney and the digestive tract. So if a woman is chronically constipated, see, I, every patient gets the question, how many bowel movements do you have in a day? Or then it, and a lot of them will say daily, or maybe I go every second day or every third day, or I'm lucky if I go twice a week. Well, that means I have to focus on getting her to go daily before we even address the hormones, because mm. we have to, we have to eliminate those toxins. It can't just sit in your intestines and then it, these estrogens can get recycled in our bloodstream. And there's different types of estrogens. I don't want to overwhelm you here, Christian, but there's um, three estrogens in both men and women. And there's such things as good and bad estrogen. So the root cause of PMS could be something known as estrogen dominance from too much exposure to these toxins, from our poor diet, from us not going, you know, having daily bowel movements. So does all that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Oh okay. I know it's a lot of information. <laughs> no, well, but it's so interesting. Well, and another cause can be our thyroid. That's a common one. So thyroid, something called hypothyroid is a very uh, common illness and people usually take a drug called Synthroid and that has a major impact on the other hormones in our body and can impact PMS. Quickly, what's a thyroid problem? What happens? So hypothyroid, like I said, is the most common diagnosis and that means your thyroid, which is a gland in our neck, just in case you don't know, um, and it means it's sluggish. So it's not working like it should and it makes people tired. They gain weight. They can't think clearly. They're emotional. They're constipated. They, they just don't feel great. So then they're put on this drug, which can help. It's helped a lot of people, but some don't, don't respond as they should. 
And conventional doctors usually only do one thyroid test in blood called TSH. But if you want the full panel, maybe write this down, you want to ask for TSH, free T3, free T4, and something called anti-TPO. I know this is a lot of information, but you want to make sure they rule out that autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's I referred to earlier on, and that you want the full picture of your thyroid. So as a naturopathic doctor, all my hormonal women get those four tests. It's a must, even if they pay privately. We need to make sure the thyroid is doing what it should because if we're treating all these other things and not treating the thyroid, that woman may not improve. How common is it that women will have hypothyroid? It's very prevalent. The drug Synthroid okay. is one of the most common. Um, thyroid disorder is more common in women, and I see it especially post a hormonal shift. So postpartum, postmenopause, or during pregnancy or during menopause because of what the other hormones are doing. That could be a whole other podcast, Christian. <laughs> okay. So let's stop there. Then. Um, another quick question. You mentioned uh, magnesium and B6. Can we just go at the health store and take the amount it says on the bottle and then just see how we feel after? Based on that, recommend we get a naturopathic doctor before we we try it ourselves. I mean, you could do that. And that's why I emphasize magnesium glycinate because there's different types of magnesium. So it's the second word next to it. So magnesium glycinate should not give you loose stools where the mm -hmm. common magnesium citrate gives you loose stools. So mm -hmm. you can go to a healthy store, buy those, but what's recommended to take on the bottle may not be enough. And mm -hmm. they can vary from 50 milligram per capsule to three or 500 milligram per capsule. So it can be a bit overwhelming mm -hmm. for women. I mean, the max safe dose, I, I believe is 1200 milligrams per day but it's rare would ever go that high with a woman so say you go to the health food store and you buy 100 milligrams you take that every night for a month it may help a little bit but it may do nothing so that's that's where you know seeing a licensed naturopathic doctor or you know someone that has the training with it to better guide you would be helpful and same mm -hmm. with b6 there's different milligrams there's different forms of b6 um and then once again it depends is the person already taking uh, be complex like you just want to make sure you're not taking too much but generally speaking yes you can and often pms blends like some companies will have their it'll say like pms support pms something it will include b6 and magnesium in it and usually a herb or two mm. yeah like those are key nutrients you'll see in those blends since you're talking about the supplements, I know I wanted to mention that if I say, okay, I have PMS symptoms, would you recommend that maybe I try those, those supplements that are specifically labeled for PMS symptoms? Potentially, but sometimes they'll, you'll be a herb ginkgo in those supplements and ginkgo thins the blood. So for example, if a woman already has very heavy blood loss during their period, that will probably be not wise. Or if that period has a blood thinning disorder. So this is where with herbs, there can be a lot of, um, side, not side effects, but contraindications. So mm -hmm. as long as you're reading the bottle, usually they're really well listed on there, but then it depends also if the woman's already taking other prescription medications, right? So generally speaking, 
if you're following the directions, you know, you should be okay. However, it comes, yeah, like I said, it gets more complex when the woman either is on prescriptions, has an underlying illness, maybe has a lot of allergies. So this is where it can be a better fit to speak to uh, a professional. Okay. I know we said that PMS symptoms, basically, when you have least amount of symptoms, it's Mm -hmm. better. So what about the period when you have balanced hormones? Does that affect the amount of of blood loss? Yes. So if you're in balance, the perfect cycle, which I feel a lot of women know it's 28 days, but that's just an average. I think it's like Mm -hmm. 10 to 15% of women will actually have 28 day cycles. Usually it's an average between 25 and 35 days, as long as it's some form of regularity that you expect your periods. And as I listed earlier, there'd pretty much be no PMS, maybe a little bit of discomfort, but not enough to really affect your day. And then Um, once your period starts, the average is five days of bleeding, but Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, you know, five days of heavy, heavy bleeding. It -hmm. should either start strong or or slowly build up, then be a little bit heavier and then slowly taper off to spotting. You for sure want to see bright red blood. That's a good thing. You ideally do not want to see blood clots that are larger than a loony. So that would be like gelatinous forms of blood that you're passing there you know if there's a some small circles or some strings that's usually not a big issue Mm -hmm. and then it should stop and then you shouldn't have any spotting until your next period so that would be you know a really well balanced hormonal cycle Um, and the other thing is you shouldn't feel much if anything at ovulation which is the mid cycle when the ovary releases an egg that's when women would conceive if they're trying. Some women I treat, they actually don't really have PMS, but their symptoms are mid-cycle, so at ovulation. So maybe they have spotting or they have a lot of pain or bloating. It's like their PMS is two weeks or a week earlier than expected. So if you're hormonally balanced, your period shouldn't really affect your life, and that's how it should look like. Mm -hmm. But so many factors can affect it. So like I said, maybe a woman has amazing like very healthy cycles for years and then all of a sudden something happens but there has to be a trigger so that's where as a naturopathic doctor will really like be like detectives or digging well what would have caused that shift did you change your diet did you move did you have a very high stress event um you know there's all these questions that we ask to try to figure out what led to to your cycle changing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the most frequent issues you see in women that comes to your clinic regarding hormonal imbalance? Um, so PMS, not just because we're talking about it, but that's a, a big one is PMS. Um, and then, I mean, in my, my practice, it's primarily hormonal women, which is what we're talking about in children. So for my women, it'd be PMS, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, and then menopause. So those are the main I guess, symptoms. But if I'm even more specific, the main actual symptoms I hear women share, they're exhausted, they can't sleep well, they have brain fog, and they are struggling with anxiety. Hmm. Like those are the main so that can occur with postpartum with PMS with menopause. But some of these women have one or two or all four of these symptoms, they feel all the time regardless of their cycle. It's just this is their new norm and they're sick of feeling like this and they want to learn if there's anything else that they can do to improve their health. Hmm. Wow. 
my listeners, they vary in age from thirties to sixties. What are a few hormonal changes uh, you can see, let's say from the your thirties to your sixties? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So in um, the thirties, so what I often see and I understand there's new moms in their forties, but I, I see a lot of moms in their thirties. So say a 35 year old mom that's either stay at home juggling everything or uh, a mom and a career right doing both Mm -hmm. I just find women in their 30s with young children they're just they're trying to accomplish so much and they're like they're putting themselves last that Mm -hmm. that's when these symptoms start appearing and a lot of them think it's normal to have PMS or it's normal to feel like this I'm a mom I have three kids I'm doing all this it's normal I'm chronically exhausted and need four cups of coffee a day but if these women knew that this is not normal and you want to ch- take charge of your health now, you will have a better time in your 40s and 50s because I find that can set you up for maybe earlier menopause. So then in your 40s, it's usually something called pre or perimenopause, which I refer to the years leading up to menopause as a roller coaster. So similar postpartum, but roller coaster of hormonal symptoms. And it can last 10 to 15 years. So, you know, there wow. can be, a, well, yeah, I know it can be very long. There can be a link to what's happening in your 30s that will affect what's happening in your 40s. So so most of my patients are 35 to 50. Those are like the main age category that I treat. And it's in this time frame, this premenopause. There, Some of them have already developed autoimmune disease like the thyroid or, or celiac or rheumatoid arthritis. And there may be a link to their chronic stress or hormonal imbalances. Then we get into the 50s to 60s. So usually that would be menopause, which is one year without a period and menopause like PMS is a stage of just a reality like a stage of life it shouldn't be very symptomatic that could be a whole other topic about menopause but (laughs) um, you know some whenever I I have say a 65 year old that comes and sees me for her first time will talk about her hormones even though she's not bleeding anymore but it's amazing whenever I have one that'll tell me yeah I think I went through menopause at 52 and I don't really remember it it wasn't a big deal it just And like, that's how it should be. That's amazing. Versus, oh, those five years of my life were horrible. Like, you know, I was a horm, so hormonal. So Mm -hmm. there's ways to support the women then. And then into your maybe mid fifties to sixties, that's post menopause. That's a stage in your life. And then leading even beyond 60 where your hormones are very low. So there's different herbs that can support your hormones. Like there's different things that can support those low hormones to help you feel better Mm, okay so I guess it really varies and obviously the your menstrual cycle has a key factor here do you have it or do you not yeah so there's there's things that say a naturopathic doctor can help with all these age categories and the questions would be a bit different or are what we're aiming to help would be different based on the age and where they're at if they still have a period or not got it I read something online and I'll read a few sentences here and I want your opinion on it, that the rising estrogen in the first half of the cycle prompts us to be more outwardly focused and to take care of others. The falling hormone levels in the second half of the cycle balances that outward focus by by allowing us to turn our attention inward to nurture ourselves. Like we want to be in a cocoon, be comfortable. I thought that this was um, 
kind of a positive way of thinking about our menstrual cycle, the fact that nature demands that we take the time to rest and to attend to our own needs. That's built into our hormonal cycle because it, we also always see um, our menstrual cycles as being something negative that like men are so lucky they don't have to go through this. And why is it happening to us all the time? And can you talk a bit about that aspect that being mindful, you can adapt your exercise routine according to your menstrual cycle like one week you have high energy the other week you want a low impact exercise and how you can kind of adjust your activities or what you're doing based on being in tune with our menstrual cycle Yes, I love that, Christiane. I love that you're sharing that because that's bringing it to a whole other level. And it's like you said, switching our mind frame to using, I guess, using our hormones as superpowers, right? Like, yes, mm -hmm. men don't have that period every month, but men don't have these super hormones like we do, right? <laughs> so um, the rising estrogen, so that occurs in the first half of the cycle called the follicular phase. So the first essentially two weeks of your cycle. So day one is day one of full bleed of your period. So that's when estrogen, you know, goes up and estrogen, like I said earlier, gives us energy. So it's an energizing hormone if it's in balance, right? But mm -hmm. usually we feel a lot better better. It's amazing how many women say that they feel so much better when their period arrives. And in those first two weeks, if you can use your cycle to your benefit, that's the time in your life when yes, you want to nurture others, take care of others. Maybe that's when you're taking those extra projects. That's when you schedule your volunteering. That's when you, you know, check things off your to-do list. That's when you actually schedule like some important, even business meetings. Like you can use your cycle and that's, a cycle that's more predictable right women mm -hmm. that have irregular cycles it can be a little bit harder to schedule things ahead but yeah those first two weeks you know maybe that's when you do more house cleaning that's when you you're just more productive and as far as exercise maybe that's your exercise regime maybe more of an intense type routine versus the second half of your cycle which is more dominated by progesterone progesterone is a calming hormone so it has a you know a different energy to versus estrogen so that's more the inward thinking the self-reflection that you said cocoon it'd be amazing if you know as moms we could just designate some days where we're in our cocoon and we don't have to do anything else but that's <laughs> really that's impossible but even honoring that phase, maybe that's when you emphasize those Epsom salt baths or some yoga or some journaling or just more calming activities and you don't over schedule yourself if you can control that like you maybe you actually learn to say no to volunteering at school during those two weeks or whatever it is you just honoring that cycle can make you feel a lot more empowered and the more you're aware and in tuned with yourself like I said the more we use our hormones as our superpowers and I know personally I notice it I truly do but I mean I've been quite self-aware of my cycle for years now because I've been learning about this for about 15 years but that second half I do notice I just want to be in a more cozier environment and I don't I'm not as social I become a little bit more introverted and then I know that this is okay I just, it, you know, need to honor that space, which I do my best to, you know, establish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
and we don't talk enough about this way of seeing it. <laughs> and that's really important because when I read about it, I started to change some of the things based on uh, my cycle. So you say that the first two weeks start when when you get your period and then the following two weeks or when when you're lower in energy. Yeah, a lower in estrogen, usually high in progesterone. So post-ovulation leading up to your next period. And that actually makes sense if you think at ovulation, that's your window to try to conceive and make a baby. So for those mm -hmm. two weeks leading to your next period, you know, especially for all the moms trying to conceive, your body could be pregnant. So if you think if you did successfully conceive, then for those first two weeks, you know, leading up to because a woman doesn't know she's pregnant that early on, it makes sense to be more like in a cozy, comforting environment. So the progesterone is high. That's when it's better to if you want to conceive, that's when it the body is prime. Let's say it's Ah. Okay, that's okay. Let's talk just briefly because I know you can say a lot of things about this PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, so a more severe form of PMS, just to know what is considered severe mm -hmm, as opposed no. to normal. And I think this is good to have the awareness because I, I feel like most of your listeners may have never heard of PMDD. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's estimated that it affects about two to 5% of women. So I know that sounds like a small number. However, you know, I've seen my share in my practice and PMDD, it's like PMS completely amplified. So the symptoms are much worse and they last much longer. Usually it can last two to three weeks in a month. So typically my PMDD patients will have one good week per month. And that good week is usually when they're bleeding on their period. Um, so the symptoms can be debilitating. Um, often these women have to miss work or even will lose their job because it, it just affects them so bad. They have a lot of physical, mental, and emotional symptoms. Um, I did read that women are more prone to developing PMDD if they are overweight or if they have a history of trauma, like sexual abuse, because that means they've been under a very significant amount of stress. So I don't know. I don't want to list all the symptoms because it's essentially yeah. like PMS, but much worse. But it could lead to even, you know, suicidal thoughts or like it can be very, very debilitating. And this is in a time where I always encourage, you know, getting a psychological help as well just mm -hmm. to, to help them talk it through. Mm -hmm. And there's, once again, lots of naturopathic approaches to supporting it, which would be very similar to everything that we've talked about. But this is an example that I would definitely use more supplements to help the body. Okay. Let's talk about how the hormonal imbalance affects our sleep. You talked about it a little bit because I know it affects everyone, especially mothers. But apart from not sleeping because of your newborn or your child, how are those two linked and what can we do specifically? Yes. Yeah, so just to summarize it quickly, there's three main hormones that I'll focus on that affect our sleep. I've listed these earlier. Cortisol, the stress hormone, it should be low during the night and rise in the morning. However, women who have trouble falling asleep or wake up during the night could be from this peak in cortisol. So working with that hormone and relaxing the body can make a big difference. The other hormone is progesterone. As I said, it's a calming hormone. So if you don't have enough progesterone, for example, the week before your period, one of your PMS symptoms will 
almost always be you'll struggle with sleep. So supporting healthy levels of progesterone can improve your sleep during, especially with PMS. But women who have chronically low levels, then that can lead to problems with sleep all the time. And then the last one I'll mention is melatonin, which is known as the sleep hormone. That I said earlier, one hour before bed, ideally no screen time. Um, You want to have a regular sleep routine that's relaxing. And I know when I'm listing all these, I get it. I'm a mom myself and kids can be sick and like this isn't going to be perfect every night no but it's at least the awareness of it and just to do your best to implement it as best as you can and this takes time it definitely does um and walnuts and tart cherry juice can help support our melatonin levels so that's always Mm. a bedtime snack or even (laughs) eating um some protein which walnuts do have protein and healthy fats so i'm just saying you know a couple walnuts at bedtime may help but it's usually a combination of things that need to be done so yeah this can take weeks and months to really train the body to sleep properly because it's amazing how many moms have not had a full night restorative sleep and some will say months some will say years Mm -hmm. you made me think of something and (laughs) i just have to ask is having sex is that helpful does that relax the body it depends. I mean, it depends on so because there's that whole emotional connection there with your partner. So it, it definitely can if you guys are in a good headspace, that can definitely relax and then you may have a better sleep and you'll produce being intimate will help produce more progesterone as well. So that could help you. But if say, you've had an argument and then you become intimate after depending on where you're at on your cycle or you know afterwards and the mom the woman mm-hmm. may lay lay there thinking of all these things so it, it really depends on the scenario but that's a great question okay <laughs> um let's talk about the dutch test you mentioned this on on your social media basically a hormonal test we can do at home talk about this and who should be doing it Yeah, so the Dutch test is a dried urine test for comprehensive hormone analysis. So this is from a company in the States. I just want to point out there's several companies in the States that have these dried urine tests. I've just been using the Dutch test specifically for years. And Canada just released their own called the Chi test, Comprehensive Hormone Insight, in October. So essentially, these, yes, they can be done at home, but they have to be prescribed by like an naturopathic doctor or a functional medical provider you would not be getting this from your your medical doctor and you potentially can order some online but then someone has to interpret them they're really complex they're collected so I actually just did mine this week I did the Canadian one and the Dutch one because I want to compare both so if you follow me on social media I'll be doing stories about it but essentially it gives insight on a lot of your hormones so for example it will show your three estrogens and four breakdown products so seven total estrogen with the dutch test it actually measures your melatonin it measures your stress hormones cortisol it's just a full picture so i've done hundreds of these with my patients and a lot of these women came to me their mds had told them they did blood work they're normal everything's fine but yet they have all these symptoms so then we oh i order the dutch test and it's amazing what comes out of it and then it helps me really treat the root cause and and really support their system where they need it. Um, So this can be done on men, women, 
whether they women, whether they have a period or they don't, this would not be done on a pregnant woman or a woman that is breastfeeding. Um, and then if a woman's on birth control pill, it's not ideal. It's best to just get a clean picture of where that woman's at. But if you know, you can Google Dutch test and get a lot of information. Yeah, it's th my favorite test. Like I said, I've used it for years and it's really empowering. And so many times in my office, women will start crying when I go <laughs> over results because they say, wow, so this isn't all in my head. This isn't my new norm. There's actually something like wrong with my hormones. Um, and then we can address it. Wow. My gosh. Now I want to, <laughs> I want to get myself a naturopathic doctor. <laughs> well, there's it's, some in Montreal. Christine. Yeah. There are some. This is a very good overview of what you do and will definitely help a lot of women and mothers and kind of know if they should do it based on what we've talked today. I want to talk about something quickly. At PMS, uh, we mentioned that, you know, uh, some women take Midol or Tylenol for the pain. When I was in my 20s, I had, you know, symptoms like severe cramping and acne during my PMS. So I consulted a doctor, regular doctor, and he said, you know, you can take the pill. It could help with those symptoms. Symptoms, and this is something I hear very often other women experience and you know everyone's on the pill but now we're seeing like maybe the pill isn't the right way to go about so I want to get your opinion as a naturopathic doctor what your thoughts on taking the pill to help with PMS symptoms okay so yeah so I mean the purpose of the birth control pill the oral birth con control pills to take it to not conceive. So mm -hmm. that's its, that's its main purpose. However, I strongly feel it's overutilized and it's used to mask the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So it's not treating the root cause whatsoever when it comes to PMS. Um, yeah. Women will often feel better and it on, I think a lot of women don't realize this when you're on the birth control pill, you don't even have a real period. You have what's called a withdrawal bleed, right? You're not taking, you're taking the sugar pill. So then your body has this withdrawal bleed because it's not being given these hormones. So once you stop the pill, it's rare. It's so rare. Women will say my PMS is completely gone. All my symptoms are much better because I went on the birth control. Usually they come back And often they come back worse than where they're mm -hmm. at, depending on how long the woman was on the pill, what type of birth control she's using. And the birth control pill will decrease some very key nutrients. And two of them are magnesium and vitamin B6, which I've talked about. So yes. um, like, it, like you said, Kassan could be a whole other podcast. There's something now, it's not an actual approved medical diagnosis, but even if you Google post birth control, syndrome. Um, there's a Dr. Jolene Brighton. She's a naturopathic doctor in the state. She is phenomenal to follow on social media. And she has a book, yeah, birth control pill syndrome. And Dr. Viva Ram's a medical doctor in the state. She's also amazing as an amazing podcast. And these are great uh, people to follow and will give a lot more information about this and about hormones in general. 
That's great. Where can they find more about you? You post lots of articles, I know, on Facebook. Yes. So on my professional Facebook page, it's Dr. Melanie Robinson, naturopathic doctor. And there I post, like you said, a variety of articles. My goal is to really empower women. So you'll see I'll share a lot from this Dr. Ram and Dr. Brighton I just mentioned. Um, so, and I'll post some more vulnerable and raw pieces of motherhood too, right? That I mm -hmm. feel social media is great at masking mm -hmm. what motherhood can actually be like. So I'm all about, you know, helping dissolve the stigma of mental health and bringing a lot more awareness and empowering women. So that's my Facebook on Instagram. It's, uh, just Dr. Robinson underscore ND. And on that, I'm once again, learning about Instagram, but I'll do various stories about hormones um, so it's a way that you can learn more about it and I hope to release some more exciting things in 2020 so it's still in its infancy stage but I hope to have more tools to offer moms to empower them to take control of their hormones and I work at Optimum Wellness Integrated Clinic in Edmonton you can check out their website just for more information um, and that's where you can find me I'll finish off with one question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So we all know that being a mother and a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Hmm. So I'm actually, the first thing I think of, and it's actually a quote, it's a quote that I utilized even before I became a mom that spoke that spoke to me, it's called, it's Deepak Chopra's quote, find stillness amongst the chaos. Mm -hmm. So motherhood is the most beautiful journey I've ever embarked on. However, I feel as all moms know, there can be, it could be negative or positive chaos that you have to deal with. So in those moments, it's so important to all like hit pause and find the stillness or find the beauty amongst the scenario, the situation you're in. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's been great. I hope that some of the moms will be empowered. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.